0: Are you ready? rock Welcome back to another edition of your favorite podcast about new metal. It is the POD cast. This is episode number 34. We are covering Slipknot's second album, Iowa. I'm John. And with me is a man who, if I'm 555, he's 666. It's Brian Quinby.
1: Fair. Yeah, that that's actually very
0: accurate. Actually. <laughs> it is. I think I'm more 555
1: and you're more
0: 666. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know what five is that. Eh, I guess I could get into it when we're talking about the album. I thought it was because fake phone numbers start with five, five, five. Oh, I feel like you're reading
0: into that too much. Yeah, that's headcanon right there. That is definitely you didn't (laughs) think of that. I'm going to look it up on genius, though, just to see if someone has like clarified you know, heretics <laughs> anthem on Slipknot, because that would be funny if it went that deep. I just don't know that Corey Taylor was thinking like that smartly. You know, there's no way there's just fucking no possible way. That's just something that popped into my head. Uh, I, li- I mean, I love that. Like, I love the idea. Like, if that's true, I would friggin love that. OK, here we go. Yeah,
1: it's pretty good songwriting, I think, if that's a true. But now, the I only annotation
0: on genius is just it could be a way of saying, I don't want to be like you. If you are this, then I am that. Of course, there is the number of the beast six, six, six as well. True. True. Yeah, so, there yes. is that
1: one, too. I there's sometimes you just got to wonder if it's just the number of the beast, you know, or if it's just a coincidence that they <laughs> pick that specific three
0: digit number. Apparently, uh Okay, I mean, this is absolutely absurd. People who talk about music in this way is very annoying to me. Not this part. This one is fine. Someone just said a lot of people consider 555 five, five an angel number and 666 six, six, nope. a number associated with the devil. That's not real.
1: That's seven, not real seven, at seven all.
0: 777 is then, the angel number. Oh, is it? Okay. And then yeah. someone replied five days ago. People are, are talking Iowa on Genius five days ago. Uh, all of these all of this is wrong because if you slow it down, you can hear that Corey actually says six, sick, six. It's like, okay. See now that just makes Corey now, sound like a pussy to me. But <laughs> well, he's also not saying that he's definitely just saying six, 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 like even he's if afraid he's afraid of
1: the devil, like he's afraid to say the numbers, like he thinks it's an incantation. <laughs> that's going to. I mean, I don't think I don't that's, know. I don't think that's even a thing, but anyway, well, I just saying that's what it makes him sound like you know, to me, actually, cause I'm a guy who will say anything satanic anytime, you know, it's, <laughs>
0: it's almost low hanging fruit for a guy like me. Yeah. the Yeah. Because you were, that's, that's your thing. You're all about the forbidden fruit. That's why you're the six, six, six. And I'm the five, five, five.
1: Yeah, yeah, 555 five, five, then I'm 666. Six, six. The lyrics, I forgot about the lyrics to this album when I was like uh when I listened to it and was like, "Who, mama."
0: I I get Apparently 555 five is the angel number. No. If you google seven, it a seven, lot seven. a lot if you Even- google 555 five, 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 a lot of people say it's an angel number, but 777 seven, seven, is that also an angel number? I'm trying to look at, like is yeah, it dude, is it just Striper, like I any- loved it. Is it just like any repeated? Yeah. Okay. So 777 is also an angel number, which makes me feel like just every triple repeated number is an angel number. I don't think so, dude. I
1: I don't think 555 is one.
0: Oh, Um, I see. So here's the thing, Bri. Sorry to interrupt. But the angel numbers are groups of the same number, usually appearing in threes, but sometimes fours with different meanings depending on the number. And apparently 555, if you see it around a lot, if you keep glancing at the clock at 555 or noticing 555 on billboards and license plates, it means that a change is coming. So there was someone in the genius who was saying like, oh, Corey used 555 because it meant that like, it was a change from their first album and they changed their masks <laughs> and their suits and everything. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he just used it. Cause it's the number before six, six, six.
1: I don't think anybody knows what an angel number is. I mean, I guess there is like a, a probably less than 1% of the population that is really into like numerology or whatever, but right very few and far between and i don't think Corey taylor is one of them really although uh, you know they do come off as guys who believe in 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 god and satan because i don't i don't understand this idea of like making an album that has like the goat head the pentagram saying i'm 666 (laughs) and then being like we're
0: not satanic though you we're know, not that why would yeah. people even say that about us we're not sweet, we're not scary or anything like that I think hey. so apparently 666 is also an angel number um and it means that it's time to reflect and wake up to your higher spiritual truth. Yeah, that's that's what I always thought of it as, too, actually. It's time for you to wake up, Brian. When you see 666 on the clock, then you know it's time to wake up to your higher power. I see see 666. You can't see 666 on the clock. That was the joke. You started looking at your clock.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I don't have a clock in here.
0: I just have 666 (laughs) all over this room. Like the number 666 are all over this room. like on posters and stuff, or you were writing it down in like red marker when you were high the other night.
1: Uh, there, there's some of it written down in marker. There's some of it just (laughs) on posters and shit in here. They're just, it's everywhere. Uh, uh, I just, I don't know. I always wrote 666 a lot. I write the word fuck, and I write 666 a lot. And uh, I used to draw pentagrams. But I'm not very good at them. I always got them wrong. Might as well have just been a Star of David. How do you get really, a pentagram wrong? Pentagrams are like the easiest things on earth to draw. I think it's just because I'm stupid. I I haven't drawn one in a really long time, but when I used to do it, I used to get it all wrong and people would be like, is that the Jewish thing? Because they didn't know it was the star of David in Groveport, Ohio. They would just be like, is that the Jewish Jewish thing thing, you got there? Yeah. That's what we called it there.
0: That's the culture there. Yeah. Well, I get it. I, you know, I mean, I understand. I, I grew up in maybe a more, an area that would have understood that it was the star of David. I think, So I'll tell you, um, the angel numbers, I mean, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of good stuff, you know, two, two, two seems good. That means you're in the right place and the right time.
1: Oh, so I've been in the right place. That's a good song, I guess. So two, two,
0: two. two, two, So that's like a, that's a solid one. Nine, nine, nine. Not great. That's a release. It's time to let go of what's no longer serving you. So that's if you're
1: nine, 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 then I'm six, zero, zero, zero. Yeah. He should have probably said I'm nine, nine, nine then. Cause he's trying to get, let go of what wasn't good for him. You know, he should have said if I'm nine, if, if you're five, 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 then I'm nine, nine, nine. And it would have been more accurate to numerology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Have you ever like, even when you were younger, did you ever flirt with that? uh With like. Have you ever done like zodiac stuff or got your palm read or any of that shit? I read my 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 horoscope when it was in the
1: newspaper every day when I was a kid. I I never, I guess, like if it said that something good was gonna happen, I always believed it, and then it didn't happen, and then I forget about it the next day, and then I'd wake up and it would be like, you know, my horoscope would say some shit, and I'd be like, oh, dip all right, now that's some good stuff that's going to happen. And then just forget I did that as the day went on. So like, I don't think so. I would have, I've never been a mystical kind of guy. I only like the Satan stuff because it freaks out Christians. You know what I mean? And like, Almost in the same way that this band is like, I'm kind of like a slipknot Satanist. I guess you could call me. You're basically in slipknot.
0: That's what you're saying. I should be. They didn't ask. And they still haven't ask. <laughs> I mean, you could be. I mean, that's the thing about Slipknot. Anyone, you could be. You could be the guy that hits the keg with the baseball bat. You could put a mask on. You're starting to get fit now, so you could run all over, run around on stage and shit. I could certainly be fine. inject
1: some new flavor in the band. You know,
0: they need that, right? They need a five 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 potentially, right? Yeah. they don't have their. I mean, they maybe- don't have, they need to change. They need that. Maybe they need a five-five-five.
1: They just need somebody that thinks differently from them. Actually, they try. I like their 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 thing about trying to make it seem like recording an album is the hardest thing in the world. It's mm. like going to war and stuff so like that. Hard. It's like yeah, prison. It out.
0: They like to say yeah. it's like that. It's they're in a prison. They're yeah. They're going to war. It's the worst thing anyone's ever done. Yeah, you're right. They make it. They make their job sound really hard. um like they they i'm not saying saying it's not but it it seems like they they try if what they're saying is true and we'll get to all that later but like it seems like they are trying to make it unenjoyable or they're like having the most unenjoyable version of being a rock star that you can have they're like they're like wearing these like really hot masks and suits on stage so that they'd get heat exhaustion and puke and shit. They, they punch and beat each other up and they break their bones on stage. And then it sounds like recording the album also sucks. So it's just, it seems like they're like, yeah, we're rock stars, but like we're it's, but it sucks. You know, it's a shitty way to live.
1: It's like a, yeah, it's like a really guilty version of being a rock star. It's like, come on, man. That's why that Corey F and Taylor thing, that thing was guys like, that's the real Corey Taylor right there. Corey M F and Taylor. That is, that's what he wanted when he got in a band. These fucking poor guys, man, they saddled themselves with, you know, a bullshit gimmick that uh, prevented them from taking advantage of all of the
0: great parts of being a rock star and mm. for no
1: fucking reason.
0: But they complain <laughs> about that, too. They complain about that, too. When they do get recognized, they don't like that either. So, it, you know, and they're a complicated yeah. bit. We'll get we'll get to that when we get to the articles. I just, uh, you know, it's a lot. There are a lot. Slipknot's a lot. They, I, I they feel like I don't I as much think as about I that. Do. Oh, like, (laughs) no, no, I just, I'm, I'm wondering though, if maybe there's like a version of our podcast, we just haven't unlocked yet. Like I should be like laying on the floor, cutting myself and puking like, and like maybe we're not doing it right. Like I'm sitting here, I got a fan blowing cool air at me. I'm drinking a kombucha. I'm in a comfortable gamer chair. Um, you know, I'm talking to my friend, Brian, like life's like podcasting's a good life. You know, we, we only do one episode a month. I mean, we do bonus episodes too, but like pretty much we, we do one main episode a month. Like maybe we need to start making it harder. Like maybe our content's not good enough. Maybe we got to start cutting ourselves and shit. I'm not going to barf and shit all
1: over myself <laughs> so I can make a good podcast though. That's the thing with me is maybe I just don't have it in me to be slipknot. <laughs> you know, because I, I don't care that I'll fucking go back and get a real job before I do that kind of shit.
0: <laughs> well, I guess it's also they're doing it in a studio. We're just in our own houses. So it probably wouldn't be great if we're just puking and shitting on our like studio floor or whatever and rolling around <laughs> yeah. in it while we record. <laughs> well, I would bring a, a trash can in the bedroom if I thought I was going to
1: throw up while I was uh, podcasting. You know, you just. Yeah. I mean, you did throw up actually
0: right before we did an episode. Yes. That is. I've thrown up a few times.
1: I've thrown up a few times podcasting. Not like. (laughs) I threw up one time doing Trash Future podcasts. I was just like, I went like this and put my finger up. While, well, they were, there's like eight of them or five or four of them or something. There's a lot more people on that show <laughs> than are on here. Eight or five or
0: four. Yeah. Or maybe there's two of them. I don't really remember. I was puking the whole
1: time. <laughs> but they were talking. They were talking. And I was just like, I put in a chat, like, I got to run to the bathroom real quick. But they probably thought yeah. I was taking piss. I was fucking throwing up in the toilet. So... You well, know, that was at least you of, got At least you got him. it
0: in the toilet, I guess.
1: Fuck yeah, dude! I don't miss. I do <laughs> not miss with my barf. I'm so good at barfing. If there's one person that's good at barfing, it's definitely me. I I do it so much, and I don't even drink. I just am always throwing up.
0: That sucks, man. I, I hate throwing up. I don't do. I don't, I don't do it. I don't like doing it. I've only thrown up like twice since I was a kid. So it's for me, it's not an enjoyable time. I don't like it. You just haven't done it enough. really. I know. That's what I'm saying. So I don't like it. It's not like Becca, uh, my, my fiance, she she throws up all the time and it just doesn't even seem to rattle her. And I'm just like, oh, actually, by the time this podcast comes out, Becca will be my wife. So yeah. I should say be- Becca, my wife, my wife, see, P- and people always want you to do that. Um, my wife, Becca, always throws up when she's uh, like, just all the time. She'll just, I'll wake up because she wakes up way before me. So like sometimes like on a weekend or or like a weekday, if she's supposed to work or whatever, like she'll wake up at seven, I'll wake up at nine or nine thirty, And then she'll be like, yeah, I've already thrown up like six times today. And I'll be like, what? And she's just like chilling. She'll be like working. I'm like, if I puke, my fucking day is over, my friend. Yeah. I mean, my
1: daughter pukes in the morning too. Some people just puke in the morning. And you know what? It actually helps with the whole rest of your day. I, I find I mean, the only bu- the only negative to throwing up is like like you it like feels you
0: horrible. Do, it sucks. Wow.
1: It doesn't feel that bad. It um, feels awful. Only-
0: I hate doing it. The
1: only real negative to it is like, if you've done drugs or something like that, you don't know if you should eat more. You know what I mean? Like,
0: like eat more. Or what? That's drugs. a very confusing yeah. sentence. Oh, take like, so more if drugs.
1: You're, if you're taking drugs and you throw up, you're like, ah, should I take more? You know? Oh, yeah. Up. That's the like, one. That's the one problem. I'm in. always
0: thinking about that when I puke. I'm like, God, <laughs> oh, should I take more, dr- I take more yeah. drugs? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Should I take a little bit more or not? You know? Right. Is it safe? Did, did all the drugs to, get it?
0: Right. Yeah. You're like, do I need to puke and rally here? Or it, or am I risking <laughs> like toxic levels of drugs? If I, exactly. yeah, I, get, I, Exactly. I mean, I get you it on the like one hand. Zan- I, no, go ahead. <laughs> <You have laughs> Tell me more. You take like a huge
1: Xanax bar and then fucking barf like 10 minutes later and be like, ah, should I take another one? Or was just one enough? you know right yeah you don't know which part of hour. your stomach it got into exactly you don't mm-hmm. i don't even know how drugs work
0: to tell you the truth so which is shocking uh, for how many of them you've done
1: <laughs> well i mean that i think actually is the
0: reason i don't know how drugs work is the uh <laughs> amount of them i've done yeah, my my uncle has a my uncle's also a professional comedian and he has a really good joke about that where he's like he's like I think kids these days are much smarter cuz at least they're doing drugs that sound good. He's like when not, you know, kids now do ecstasy. He's like what does that mean? A state of blissful euphoria. What did I do when I was a kid? Acid, a liquid that can dissolve bone. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. Uh,
1: acid was great, though, and it's better than ecstasy. You know, I always preferred acid to ecstasy. Sure. I mean, I like sure. ecstasy too, though. I think
0: exody is e- Exidy. I think exody is pretty fucking I think exody. Exody yeah. is this. This was in one of the slipknot ones, right? Where they said that one of the guys did like 45 hits of LSD or something, which is most certainly oh, my not Jesus.
1: real. Holy Lord, Jesus Christ. Yes, he did say that. And, it, and it he did just, 45
0: hits of LSD. I mean, like, come on, come on. D- like, at least yeah. lie to me for real. At least, at least post- lie to me where I can believe it. So there was this guy
1: in my neighborhood that I grew up in. We called him Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he... Uh, I, I bet you did. Is it because he looked like Jesus, Brian? He had long hair. And me and my <laughs> friends didn't like people with long hair and like sure. pissed yep. us off, I guess. You know, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. yeah, at the time it was like, you know, just you know, cut your hair, hippie. Sure. Um sure. but he looked kind of <laughs> like Jesus and uh there were like two separate kind of legends about Jesus Christ. And uh, the like, Jesus legend, Christ, like
0: not the Bible, Jesus Christ, this guy you called Jesus Christ. No,
1: Jesus Christ from from Black from Groveport, the Valley, yeah. and and <laughs> and Columbus, okay. Ohio.
0: Okay, okay, yeah.
1: um, and and the first one is the hacky one, right? He he was he was really running good at from hacky the police. Sack. Oh, you wish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was running from the police with a sheet of acid in his pocket, and he got. He got so sweaty that the whole sheet of acid soaked into his skin. And now, on one side of the neighborhood, it's believed that he thinks he's Jesus Christ. Okay? That's my side of the neighborhood. On the other side of the neighborhood, it's believed that he thinks he is a glass of orange juice and that if he tips over, he dies. You know what I mean? And my side no, is more realistic. I don't, I don't know what you mean. I don't know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. That was the rumor about Jesus Christ in my neighborhood. I don't even remember his name anymore after that. You know. Right. But uh he only he yelled at us once and we threatened to kick his ass. He never yelled at us again.
0: <laughs> so he wasn't that crazy. You know? <laughs> Sure. Um, that's I mean, that's, weird, just, dude. that's just not believable. I'm sorry. That's not believable that you, that acid would melt into your skin. I agree, dude,
1: but I believe that. And like, I right. think that like the thing about acid that it, acid, like is a really weird drug for people that don't do it. And I think it strictly kind of is the name. Gets oh yeah, that's what I mean. That's
0: it. why I think my uncle's joke is prevalent because it's like, I don't want it. That sounds awful to me. Like <laughs> I remember being a kid. I mean, I've, I, you know, I've, I've talked a lot on the show. I don't do any drugs, but like I, and I never have, but I also like, I can remember being a kid and it was just like acid. That sounds bad. Like that doesn't sound <laughs> like something I want to do. That sounds cause it was also, we grew up in the, in the time of like acid rain where they were like, Acid rain yes. is going to happen and it's going to kill everything. It's going to kill all the wildlife. It's going to make drinking water undrinkable. Acid is horrible. Acid, acid, acid. They would say it was like the worst thing you'd watch Batman and Joker get, drops the guy in a vat of acid. You're like, fuck acid is horrible. And then it's like, yeah, people take acid. I'm like, oh, no, I know that seems bad to me. I know obviously right. there's many different forms of acid, but yeah, the drug never sounded appealing to me. I
1: had no idea what, when I first got my hands on it because it's cheap as shit. You know what I mean? And 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 I was—I I think I was twelve or thirteen. It was the summer between sixth and seventh grade. Uh, my friend's sister got her hand on some acid. She she was sixteen, and we were you know twelve or thirteen. You did acid when you were twelve? Yeah, yeah, because she got it for what? us, and. Uh, <laughs> It was only $5, and I was able to afford that at the time. And my friend was just like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I had $5. Sure. It's not that rare for a 12-year-old to have $5. (laughs) But I'm saying that, like, (laughs) she kind of hooked us up, and we had heard of acid. And it was explained (laughs) to me that it was just going to make me laugh you know what i mean Oh, this shit is so funny it's the funniest shit you ever got you know what i took it and i laughed my ass off and i had the greatest day and you know we took it like we all planned it out for like a summer day to take it at like nine o'clock in the morning because that's when our parents were going to work and we'd be you know coming down by the time they got home from work sure and we just fucking unleashed ourselves on the neighborhood on acid and just went fucking nuts, man. Bunch of 12-year-old fucking freaks on acid running around the neighborhood. And uh, that's why I've always had... I That's why I've always been kind of... Fucked like, up? Like, I understand why people... I understand, like... <laughs> How that shit happens like with 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 the acid stuff and like also hearing the story of jesus christ in the neighborhood only made me want to do acid more sure you know what i mean like yeah i just we grew up so different because the way i grew up was like if some shit is dangerous i have
0: to do it you know what i mean like yeah we were the opposite i was scared of everything
1: Yeah, if people say it's like acid, right? Like you said how the the name of it sounds scary. But for fucking me at at that age, the name of it sounded badass. And like I said, I had never had anybody give me any, like, not only had I, I had never heard of it. I had never heard good things about it. And I had never heard bad things about it. All I heard was it makes people laugh and it was just incredible. It was, it, I shouldn't have done it. I would never tell a 12 year old to take acid
0: now. Obviously <laughs> I, mean, I would say once you, except for the ones off. you sell it to <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> hold off about five years or so, you know, just get a little sure. older, you know, and, and I, I didn't remember do the... it again for, for until I was 17. So, okay.
0: I, 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 I remember the big thing with acid when I was a kid was they would, you know, because they all, the, the, you know, parents and authority figures always have ways of like warning you against drugs because that was always the big thing too. is was like, people are going to trick you into doing drugs or, or <laughs> you know, drug dealers are going to try and get you hooked so they can keep selling you drugs. Or, you know, that was always such a big concern. And so I remember with acid, the big thing was that they would put, like they would warn you, they'd be like, yeah, they put cartoon characters on the Mm -hmm. like acid paper so that they, so that you'll buy it. Like you think it's like a toy or something like that, you know? So be careful. Like if someone tries to sell you a little piece of paper with Mickey mouse on it or whatever, like, don't put it in your mouth. And it was like, is that even real? And even if it is, what kid is like, oh yeah, I got to put this, piece of Mickey mouse paper in my mouth and see what happens.
1: It is funny to think that they, they were like, people are going around putting paper in their mouth. You know what I mean? And, and so, you know, you can't keep a kid from putting paper in his mouth No. and then you put a fucking Mickey mouse on it and it's just, they fucking can't resist and they just go nuts. Keep it it. out
0: of there. We can't wait to put it in there. It just, yeah. It's my first
1: trip when I was 12, had the McDonald's golden arches on the, acid uh oh, on, really? on the paper yeah it was it was McDonald's, and it was like uh you know and do you still eat mcdonald's seems like they uh, you got yeah to tell you the truth i don't but it's only because <laughs> i worked there when i was 16 right yes it yes. was just like i ate and it's not <laughs> even because i saw how the sausage is made or anything it's because i ate so fucking much of it. I was just like, I can never eat this again. I can't do this. Yeah. I've had three McDonald's cheeseburgers since I was 16 and I can remember each time I had them. And the last one was only because I got home from tour at like two 30 in the morning and fucking, it was all that was open was McDonald's. That's what's was open. fucking yeah. nothing else. Yeah. It was miserable. I hated it, but uh Yeah. I It had the golden arches on it. And then the next one I took had, I think, was just regular white paper. Uh, right. uh, but, yeah, the, having the first one you take have McDonald's on it also makes you feel like, oh, okay.
0: You know? Yeah, this can't I be, be so McDonald's. bad. I like laughing. <laughs> I like chicken McNuggets. What could go wrong? Yeah. I, I have five dollars. Yeah, I,
1: mean, <laughs> I was, yes. I was just so, like. I don't know. It was weird. The pervasiveness of drugs when I was that age was just such a, a fucking weird thing that like, now that I'm older, I realized was like really abnormal, but like at the time, oh, yeah.
0: I, it, when I was 12, I couldn't have gotten acid. If I tried, like yeah. it was just like, you know, like, cause that's the thing they warn you. Oh, drug dealers are going to try and trick you into t- like, I, when I was 12, I would have had absolutely no idea how to get drugs of any kind. I wouldn't have known how to get weed. I wouldn't have known how to get liquor. I mean, I guess like, you know, you can steal it from your parents or whatever, but as far as like, you know, getting someone to buy you liquor, what like I, I, and then so acid, I mean, that just wasn't even on my radar. It's still not. I still, I mean. I'm a comedian, so I feel like it's not hard for me. to. And I know Dan. So I feel like it wouldn't be hard for me to get drugs at any time. But, like, for the most part, really, I could have lived most of my life having no idea how I could get acid. Like, it would have taken me time to figure, like, you know, it wouldn't be like, oh, I'll just go ask so-and-so and and I'll have acid within an hour. It'd be like I I would need a week to, like, work my way through the chain of people I know to maybe find someone who has it.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to do it again soon now that (laughs) my brain's a little bit better than it had been from the ketamine, which helped a tremendous (laughs) amount. It's like, why not take acid now, too? Let's see if we can break it again, baby.
0: Let's go. Yeah, let's let's (laughs) fucking fire it up. Well, speaking of breaking our brains, let's get into the album uh, that we are covering here this month. It is the second studio album from Slipknot, Iowa. Uh, came out on August 28th, 2001. It was recorded uh, in Los Angeles, California. It was produced by Slipknot alongside Ross Robinson. Uh, one of their more successful albums, obviously their debut album, very successful. We've already covered that on the show. Um, but uh, this album, very successful, most notably because it charted in an unbelievable number of countries. So it's done well. Um, It is certified platinum in the U.S. and the U.K. and Canada and certified gold in Australia, Belgium, France, Germany, Japan and the Netherlands. Uh, So, yeah, it's sold well into the, you know, it's probably in the three, four million range uh, worldwide, sold a lot of copies. But Uh, And it it peaked at number three on the U.S. Billboard 200 uh, and ended the year 2001 at number 150 on the U.S. Billboard 200. But uh, here are the countries in which it made the top 10. Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, New Zealand, Poland, Scotland, the U.K., and then uh, and then the U.S. as well. And it also, yeah, reached number one in Scotland and the U.K., charted at number one in the U.K., which is crazy for a metal album. Also, uh, number one in Canada, number two in Australia, uh, number four in Germany. So had really impressive worldwide um, sales, which we haven't really seen. Like, even the bigger bands we've done, like Corn and Limp Bizkit and bands like that, we haven't really seen them hit around the globe uh, in the way that uh, that Slipknot has. Uh, it, the song Left Behind was also nominated for a Grammy, uh, and it is their longest album, and like I said, one of their more uh, successful ones uh, to date. Brian, obviously, we have already covered uh, the debut album from Slipknot, so we sort of talked about some of our experiences with Slipknot. Uh, growing up, do you remember Iowa coming out? Were you excited for it? Were you in on Slipknot? Out on Slipknot after they're self-titled? Where were you at uh, in two thousand one with Slipknot? Uh, out. I was out at first,
1: and then weirdly enough, it Slipknot like became my my brother's favorite band. Like out of just nowhere, we he oh. wasn't into much else like i mean he liked a lot of the bands that we were all into but he wasn't into like a ton of different stuff. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden he was just like, this is my favorite band in the whole world from the first album. And, uh, you know, when Iowa came out, I, I had it right away. I had access to it right away and, uh, burned it immediately The the, the he bought it the day it came out and I burned it immediately. So I had it. I don't know how many times I listened to it cover to cover though. I, I, I don't think a million, it, it wasn't really in my, uh, wheelhouse, you know,
0: yeah, I would say a similar experience for me. I mean, I think I talked uh on the on the debut album review about how I was like scared of Slipknot and they were the first. I mean, I was scared of a lot of new metal, but Slipknot in particular was like I don't I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone to see them live uh around that. Like I would have been too scared to I, I would have thought some crazy shit was going down at a Slipknot show that I wouldn't have been able to handle. I mean, I was I would have been 16 when this one came out, but their self-titled I was 14, so I'd have been too scared, uh, but yeah, with this album, I remember I liked the debut record, um, but I never, same as you, it was never like my favorite album, you know, still to this day, it's not, I mean, I love some of the singles on it. I love some of the songs on it, but pardon me, it was never like, uh, something where I was like, I gotta have this, you know, and with Iowa, it was similar, but I can remember though being excited for it. And I don't know why. Um, I, I guess it was maybe that they were really popular and people I knew who didn't like corn or didn't like Limb Biscuit liked Slipknot. They had that weird like cachet, like you said, maybe similar to your brother, right? Like Slipknot had this weird cachet with people that other metal bands just didn't have, which is weird because Slipknot is really fucking heavy and this album is really heavy. So it's weird to me that they're like a lot of people's like, Oh, they're the only metal band I listen to. Um, But yeah, so I think I remember being excited for this album because it felt like people around me were excited for it. Um, But similar to you, I liked a few of the songs on it. I've always liked the heretic anthem. I've always liked left behind, Um, And there are a few other tracks on it I remember liking back when I was younger, Uh, but it never, yeah, similar. I I think I feel this way about every Slipknot record. Like I, I, it never, it was never among my favorites and I never felt like that. And when it came out, I never felt like, oh yeah, this is, this is an album that's going to stick with me forever.
1: Yeah. I couldn't imagine you listening to it at all. Like I, like I, I, when I listened to this, I pictured you just crying (laughs) While it played like a 13
0: year old, just fucking crying his little eyes out. (laughs) I mean, it is so mean. It is quite a bit heavier than the, than the self titled. So like, and that's noticeable even now listening to it in 2022, like considering the success that the debut album had, I'm fairly shocked at how heavy this record is that they, they kind of did what a lot of bands say they're going to do. Like, I feel like a lot of heavier bands say that to promote a record. Oh, this is heavier than the last one we made this one. This one is so fucking heavy. It's going to crush your nuts, you know? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then it comes out and it sounds exactly like the previous record. Um, This one is genuinely quite a bit heavier than the debut album. I think
1: yeah I think like the the godsend for these guys is the what it seems like to me at least and and maybe what makes them good is that they all have side projects because honestly, I can't imagine like in anything else that any of these guys do and I've listened to Stone Sour and uh nah, not for me it i it sucks actually uh but like so we know that Corey Taylor does have bad instincts he uses those for stone sour <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and assume...
0: cory mf and taylor <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and yeah. i assume everybody else in the band also has really bad instincts but they use those on other projects because they're all talking about other projects they do in some of the articles we read and it's like they all sound abysmal like really crummy projects and like it's like oh i do electronic music oh i do sound collages it's like yeah everyone wants to hear that at all i i do a joke band uh just ugh. uh so like um slipknot seems like this magical thing where they can come together where these these nine people come together and they make magic and it's because they cancel out all the other bad parts of the other eight people.
0: (laughs) Well, it also seems like this band thrives on conflict. So it almost seems like it's not only that they, that they sort of eliminate their worst impulses, but I wonder if it is because they tell each other that, like someone brings a bad idea and then you've got like four other guys being like, this idea sucks shit, man. This fucking stinks. And then they're like, oh, okay, I'll use that in my other band where I'm the guy who has all the say.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be. That also has to be great, though. When when you're, when you're like side project is touring and there's like, you know, three other guys in the band that have to listen to everything you say because you're the famous one that's bankrolling all of it.
0: But Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's weird because when you read articles and stuff about it, it does seem like Joey Jordison and Paul Gray do a lot of the music on it. Like, it sounds like Corey does most of the lyrics, um, but then they kind of do most of the music, even though officially they all split the writing credits. Um, Stupid stupid yeah, motherfuckers which is kind of crazy that the guy who hits the keg um gets the same amount of money as joey jordison does but in any especially considering not only was joey one of the best drummers ever but also wrote a lot of the songs uh but yeah it, that seems interesting to me too that I mean, I guess that's kind of the way it has to be in a nine person band. You probably can't truly give everybody a say or you would never do anything. Uh, But, yeah, I thought that that was kind of uh, an interesting fact as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't get how they get away with that. I would just be like, you know what, keg hitter. Uh, you. We don't need you. I mean, we replace you with anybody to a keg <laughs> Honestly, you know what would have been smart of them. You know that band, and I didn't know this was the case, but uh, you know that band Ghost. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. And how they don't have a real band; they kind of just have people masked up and come on stage and play. And sometimes it'll be like celebrities up there, but nobody'll ever know because they're in a mask oh, sort of really? thing. I, at least that's what I've I've been made to believe by somebody that is a huge fan of Ghost. So okay. I, I don't actually know if that's true. But if that's true, that's what Slipknot should have fucking done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, after the first album... When Iowa's coming out, they're like, "Let's just fucking let Dave Grohl play drums on some shit and some other stuff, and like, let's fucking boot the keg people and just split this money four or five ways instead." You know? I love. The keg uh, guys offer nothing. The keg guys offer absolutely shit. It, like, you know how I always say the 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 turntableist op- offers nothing. They offered less than the turntableist. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's a very, um, yeah, it's very odd. And it, it, people will maybe get mad at us because one of the keg hitter guys is clown who people seem to love for whatever reason. Um, but like, yeah, and it, it, maybe we just don't understand and that's also possible, but it does kind of seem, I mean, we talked about this last time. We literally called the album nine guys one paycheck or we called the review that I mean, um, but it does seem kind of crazy, especially because, As we said, and we're gonna get to in the articles, it seems like they hate each other. So, like, if you kind of don't like some of the other guys in the band, why is it such a democracy? Like, that part of it doesn't. (laughs) You'd think if you hated this fucking guy and all he did live in the band is hit a keg with a baseball bat. Uh, you'd be like, get the fuck out of my band. You loser. Like, it is just such a weird, like, I don't feel like, you know what I mean? Like if all nine of them were like, yeah, we're childhood best friends. We all love each other. We couldn't imagine doing this any other way than with the nine of us. I would totally agree. I, I'd be like, okay, you know what? That's great. You want to split it nine ways. Everybody's happy. You're all best friends. But like every person to a man is like, yeah, recording this album made me want to die. I wanted to kill myself every single day. And I'm like, okay, well then what are we doing Rethink here? Man? It. But they say yeah. that
1: every time because they recently, when they did their recent album, I was reading... I don't know where where I was reading or listening or heard something, but they were saying the same things. A Slipknot album, you just got to get in there, and it's going to be grimy, and it's going to suck. And it's it's like, dudes, you don't have to do this. Like, if it's true, you don't have to do this. If it's not true, nobody believes you anyway, you know? Like I don't believe that it's a hell experience for them now. They all have fucking money. I I can't imagine that they go and and they're having the same and they're older too. Like we're looking at this from a very like I'm looking at it from a very 43-year-old guy with a kid. Like brain and that it it's kind of like um it's kind of like why are you putting up with all of the hell? Of making this music if it's so bad and why don't you kick a few people out of the band to make some money
0: (laughs) yeah totally make some make some cash for god's sakes you know yeah if it sucks that bad kick some people out kick some people out yeah i mean you and i are only there's only two of us it's easy for us If if one of us got kicked out, the show's over. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, you could try to do it. No. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. I I wouldn't want to do it without you. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun, right? No, no, it (laughs) wouldn't be fun. No, I mean, I think like a key part of what makes our show work is that we are so different. You did acid when you were 12. (laughs) but no like just the different ways that you and i both grew up and the ways we come at new metal i think is what makes the show interesting i mean it is funny because there are some people who hate our show because our show is too vibey you know our show is more about vibes and not about like oh let's psychoanalyze or let's like really dig deep and analyze the music you and i are just like Yeah, I fucking did acid when I was 12. I'm like, yeah, Slipknot scared the shit out of me. Uh, (laughs) It's a little bit of a different feel, but um, we haven't played this game in a while, Brian, and it is one of our favorite games to play on the show. Uh, As I said, Left Behind nominated in 2002 for Best Metal Performance Grammy. Uh, Would you like to take a guess at the other four songs that were nominated? I can tell you that Left Behind did not win. God, I... (sighs) 2002 There's so probably I'll, give you, a- I'll give you i'll give you some hints okay so 2002 so you already know that uh slipknot was nominated the other four nominees two of them are like legacy bands and two of them would have been somewhat one of them is like a newer band in 2002 and one of them is like a new ish band and then two of them are like sort of metal icon bands i guess we'd say I would guess Metallica's
1: in there or, or Megadeth. Uh, uh nope. Neither of no. those two.
0: No, uh, no, it's like more, uh, more than that. Like, like, uh, more black Sabbath then black Sabbath. You got a black a Sabbath. song They're that always was nominated for a song that was originally released in 1970, the wizard. Uh, but they put out a live album. And so that was nominated for best metal performance, God. Grammy, the <laughs> wizard live, uh, I bet that win. sounds like shit, John. Oh, I'll bet no, you no chance. The it wizard, sounds good.
1: <laughs> the wizard live in 2002 probably sounded bad at at uh, probably at an Ozfest too. So to add to that, it <clears> just <throat> probably sounds like the worst shit ever
0: made. They just
1: have, they can't help themselves. They cannot help themselves. Black Sabbath,
0: yeah. No, they can't. Let me see what exact album it came off of here. Hold on, I'm going to look at their discography. Uh, uh, I was gonna
1: guess. Also, good lord! You know what else yeah, was out at you that know, time? You know
0: what? I actually do think it is from the Ozfest 2001 album. Hold on, makes sense. Makes sense because it probably sounds it like. Oh fucking my god! Shit. It is. It is from. <laughs> so it wasn't even a Black Sabbath live album. It is from Ozfest 2001, the second millennium. Uh, the wizard black Sabbath. That is fucking hilarious. God. And it probably sounds like
1: pure fucking shit. It's Aussie in 2002. Oh yeah. And it is. I, I mean, I just, I think when they see metal, the voters for the Grammys are like metal. It's like, well, black Sabbath is
0: one. We know they're metal. They're metal. We got a
1: Metallica. I, I'm going to guess that there is a tool in there. Is there a tool
0: tool was the winner schism. I one for I, best metal performance in 2002. Very good, Bryce. So you've got one other legacy band, and then one band that I would say is like newer in 2002. Not not brand new, but like newer, and we've and we've covered them on the show before. Oh, a newer Incubus was Incubus around at that no, time? No, this is metal. metal. This is metal. Yeah, this is metal.
1: We've covered them on the show. So I got it. Is a Hollywood Undead? <laughs>
0: Yeah, in 2002. Uh, no, it is not. It is not Hollywood Undead. No,
1: I truly have no idea. I, I, I'm trying to think of who another legacy band would be. That's not Metallica or Megadeth. Because think of like I mean, they're, they're more
0: ranks. associated with metal, like very metal. Band. Pantera.
1: Is no, this reinventing close, steel. Close.
0: They would have toured with Pantera,
1: Pantera, White Zombie or Rob Zombie. No, Pantera. more legacy who than tours that tours with Pantera. I can't think of who would tour with Pantera though. I'm, I pretty sure Pantera these, I'm pretty sure these years. two
0: bands. I'm pretty sure these two bands co-headlined a tour. I think Pantera oh. and this band, but I could be wrong.
1: No idea. No idea. No uh, clue.
0: Slayer. Ugh.
1: I feel okay. like Pantera and Slayer toured
0: together. I think I could, I could be wrong on that, but yeah, Slayer's disciple. And then the new band System of a Down, Chop Suey. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Slipknot 2002. has been nominated for this Grammy an absurd number of times. They were nominated in 2001 for Wade and Bleed. They were nominated in 2002 for Left Behind. They were nominated in 2003 for My Plague both off of this album. Uh, They were nominated in 2005 for Vermillion. They won in 2006 for Before I Forget. Stone Sour was nominated in 2007 for 3030 minus 150. They were nominated in 09 for Psychosocial. Uh, They were nominated in 2015 for the negative one, 2016 for Custer. Uh, And... That is it. They can't resist. So, yeah. the, so they, were nom- the they were nominated. Like s- yeah, they were nominated like seven times, but they've only won once.
1: The, the Grammys know like six uh, metal bands, and they're the ones that make the people that Dude. vote for the Grammys a ton of money.
0: And that Man. is how they choose. Look at the bands that were nominated this year. Dream Theater won Dream Theater Whoa, in 2022 for here. best metal get performance. The- no, yeah, they beat get Deftones the out of here. They beat Deftones I follow- and Rob Zombie. <laughs>
1: I followed this horny freak on uh, Twitter that <laughs> a loves great Dream Theater.
0: Yeah, yeah. He Dream Theater, Dream Theater, the Alien one, and then Deftones, Genesis, Rob Zombie was nominated, and then Gojira and Mastodon. So Dream Theater okay. some, somehow beat those four bands. That's one of my favorite wins. I think of all of these, like that doesn't even make sense to me. Also, High on Fire one in 2019, like I don't even know who that is. Body oh, count, big. body count one in 2021. <laughs>
1: Which, yeah, like, that, I mean, you know, how is that even? <laughs> like possible? I said, they, the
0: the Academy knows like
1: four metal bands, four and, metal and bands, they picked yeah. the one that made the most money they're like yeah. Yeah, that one made us a bunch of fucking money i guess the grammys i call it the academy like it's movies well there uh, is
0: it's the recording academy it's fine they're the recording the academy industry of, of america recording I guess. and yeah. arts
1: and businesses
0: yeah. yeah exactly yeah so anyway no slipknot lost to schism in 2002 left behind uh let's get back on the for for system of a down if i had to be honest with of you, of course that one. chop suey is one of the best metal songs ever for sure. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's that's a good. that's a
0: no that's a no brainer. Excellent song. Okay, so I don't know if that's a no brainer. <laughs> I would have had to think for a second. But yeah, but you also did acid when you were 12. This is just going to be that's my true. thing going over and over again. I'm going <laughs> to piss you off so yeah. bad. You're going to be like, "Okay, you I get You can't. It. You can't piss me off." No, you're right. I probably can't. I don't try though either. So there is that. Yeah. Well, you're I a never try, like you can do. Well, that. I, yeah. I try my best. So Iowa Brian, so we both agree in the time period that it was out, we weren't like the hugest fans. So listening back to it for this review, um talk to me about some of your general uh your general feelings on it. I I mean, it, it's really good. Like
1: it this is like a shockingly the thing I think that blew my mind the most of all of the things about this album is that it's produced by Ross Robinson and it sounds good. Like the album sounds really good. Like they stepped up the production on this less of the fucking, because the first album that we, the, the first one had a bunch of dicking around sound collage shit on it. This one's just all fucking wall to wall songs. And it seems like every one of them is, is good. Like they, Every one of them is pretty fucking good, you know. There's stuff I don't like on the album. There's lyrics that I think are so stupid. Oh, but yeah. me, but mostly, I think this thing sounds good as hell, especially for something this heavy. You know, you listen to a lot of death metal and stuff like that, and uh, uh it to me, it all sounds like shit, but this sounds like really fucking good and really clear, so I'm a fan.
0: Yeah. I was surprised by a couple things. Um, I was really surprised at, like I said earlier, how heavy it is considering, I think the temptation would have been strong to follow the weight and bleeds and the spit it outs, you know, and to be a little bit more new y and a little bit more melodic, um, especially with label pressure and stuff like that, because I think, and Bri, I mean, you can weigh in on this too. Like, I just can't imagine Slipknot thought they were going to get big. Right? Like, I think no, other I bands think like, they like knew
1: from the beginning, I think really they knew I do. I do.
0: I think they were like, what makes real you think fucking- that? Cause I don't th- like, I think that the guys had no problem being big when they got big. Like, I think they, they got into the rock star lifestyle, the big ego lifestyle. Like I think once they got big, they were happy to get big. But I just feel like you can't be making the music they were making in Des Moines, Iowa, and assuming you're going to get big or even trying because it just I don't know. There's something about Limp Bizkit and and other bands, Incubus, Linkin Park, maybe not Corn as much, but where, you know, I can't I I think those bands were trying to make it big. And I just don't know that Slipknot was trying, you know, I think they're trying to make a living doing it sure oh sure. yeah for sure for sure well i also but, like think there's they no knew way they, they could have thought to. that they would do the sales that they would that they did oh, and, and no, like how big they are
1: no you're right about that I, I i would say that like they didn't think they would sell millions of albums but i think these guys knew i i mean like i started reading about these dudes like a year before the first one came out you know, right. where it's just like this nine piece band. They all wear masks and they and they do all this stuff. They're from Iowa. Isn't that crazy that there's music in Iowa? Like sort of sort of little blurbs about them in the back of magazines that I was reading at the time. And then when it came out, when this came out, it just I, I think if, this is one of those things where I think like if you're me and you start listening to a lot of this music and in, in like the earliest time in, in 1994 or five, you start listening to, to corn and, and, um, shit like that, you know, you, you're listening to your corn, you're, you listen to Limp Biscuit as soon as it comes out. You listen to Deftones as soon as it comes out. Like you're catching these things as soon as they come out and they're becoming the biggest fucking things in the world. You, I think in, in my eyes, I saw this as something like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, they're going to be fucking one of the biggest bands in the world you know i only was off by like the only bands i was super off on were orgy and coal chamber i thought Cold chamber was going to be this big and i it's funny i saw slipknot open for coal chamber uh in in a parking lot in in columbus ohio in the middle of the summer it was so hot it was the most inhospitable place to see a concert they were letting people stage dive it was just fucking madness on on this asphalt and uh, i saw that at at this very small venue that the the concert was supposed to be indoors but Cold chamber and slipknot sold so many tickets they were like fuck it let's put it outside and sell more tickets and like this fucking show I just knew it. I knew from I knew from that day like these guys are going to be massive and and it's because they acted like They acted like fucking stars. I I think as a guy that watches wrestling, you can see like indie wrestlers that walk out and you know, they're going to be fucking massive because when they walk out in a fucking gymnasium, they seem like a big fucking deal. And like, that is how these guys came off. And I think that that is because, you know, they were, they were really They were really driven to make it happen, and uh, I don't think anybody knows if they're going to sell millions of albums, but I think these guys knew they were going to be pretty big.
0: Right. No, I just ask because to me, it seems like if you're making metal music, you're from Iowa, and I agree with what you're saying. Like, I think they had a clear vision. Like, I think the masks and the jumpsuits and stuff were an extremely good idea Um, That it was a very good gimmick, um, you know, that immediately set them apart from what other people were doing. And they were heavier, which also helped. But I just think, like, if you're a band like Slipknot, who has the success of your first record, that was, I would imagine, at least slightly unexpected. Um, Sure. It's kind of crazy to me that they don't chase that on this record, really, really. I mean, Left Behind is probably the poppiest song on this record, and it is still a degree heavier than Wait and Bleed and Spit It Out, in my opinion. Um, And there just aren't any of the choruses. Like, even on, on on the debut record, there are quite a few songs that have very sweeping choruses. There's that one song, I can't remember the name, but it's like, I can't remember, I don't understand, is it? It's like that song. There's like quite a few songs on the first record where they're clearly trying to go for the like quiet, loud, quiet, not quiet, but like melodic screaming, melodic screaming kind of thing. And this has a little bit of that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is like, you know, this is not like Children of Bodom or some shit. Yeah, Cannibal (laughs) Corpse. You know, it's not that, but it's like a degree heavier where it's like somewhat shocking to me that they had this maybe at least slightly unexpected success on record one and they just don't really chase it here. So that's the first thing that stuck out to me. And then the second thing echoing your further point or your earlier point rather is I can't believe the production on this record in that the first record, one of its charms was that it kind of sounded like shit similar to when you listen to corn's first record. It's got that kind of like, it feels underground. Like you kind of feel like you're stealing a record or like you're, it feels dangerous because it's kind of recorded a bit sloppily and it sounds it sounds almost heavier because of that. Um, and then this record, they pretty much completely abandon abandoned that. This record sounds like a million bucks. You can hear everything on this record. It sounds amazing. It just it's an oral assault right from the start, but it's very glossy, very well produced. And so I'm also kind of shocked that they went in that direction as well, where they had that kind of thing working for like, basically the things that worked for them on record one, they're not really doing here. And I find it interesting because on volume three, their next record, the subliminal Verses, they do get a little bit more poppy. Like the, the, the singles on there, you know, duality and um, whatever the other fucking one is the lead single off of that record. I can't remember it, but whatever. Um, you know, those two songs, like they they definitely seemed to go for maybe more of that debut record kind of thing. But this one, they were just like, Oh yeah, uh Vermilion and Before I Forget, all three of those quite poppy. Um I'm I'm just a little surprised. Like this this record feels like a bit of an outlier in their catalog. Uh, Not that I've kept up with their later stuff, but you know, within their early stuff, this feels like their most brutal album. And it's just kind of interesting that that's the direction they went in after their first one. I guess I think that
1: they're following a blueprint for, for success at, at the time in the genre of music they were in and that like they cleaned up the sound because, Corn didn't hit until they cleaned up the sound on their album. You release the fucking gritty, raw fucking first album, and then the next album is cleanup. On that, you know what I mean. We're gonna clean it up and show that we can do music now. We have a little money. We can we can record this thing. Because even if you listen to Life Is Peachy, it sounds a little bit better than the original Corn. But fucking Follow the Leader is just light years better. Oh than yeah, that Follow album. the Leader is
0: sounds amazing.
1: But now we're in 2002. Now, I don't know what year. This is 01, what? this
0: record. The Grammy 01. was 02, but this one came out in 01. Yeah.
1: Um, but I'm thinking of, like, other bands at the time that... um. I'm checking something real quick. What well, year? like... Okay, so in 2000, White Pony came out. Now, yep. like, if you think about how the Deftones, their thing was, like, Adrenaline doesn't sound great. No. Okay be quiet and drive sounds better and is heavier. And then white pony sounds like, like a whole other level of like cleaned up and, and like this, like really great fucking music. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. like, Slipknot seems like a band that would pay attention to the kind of stuff that worked before them and knew that there is like this blueprint within Nu Metal that you start out. With it one way. And then the other thing that I think makes Slipknot smarter than a lot of bands is that, like, most bands would chase that poppy sound. That is for sure. Like, yeah. they would let the label get them to want to do it. I think Slipknot knew that in order to have an enduring thing, you have to make something heavier or something more aggressive or something that's not like what the last thing was and like this just ended up being like a really smart choice if you wanted to have a band that was gonna have any kind of staying power because because i'll tell you this too john uh i was a huge pantera fan i i mean i would say i still like pantera but they're dead now so or the band's (laughs) not around anymore (laughs) Yeah. yeah but like but like uh uh cowboys from hell sounds like like an eighties, like Phil Anselmo sings in falsetto on a few songs on that album and shit like that. And then, uh, uh, vulgar display of power is just like a little bit heavier. You know what I mean? It's it's, yeah. but it's still got some weird like choices. They make, there is a song about racism where he kind of raps, which is like, well, I don't know what you were thinking there, Phil. Um, <laughs> But then Far Beyond Driven comes out and it is this just fucking brutal heavy album, you know, and uh, it fucking was enormous. Like it sold like crazy. It was the highest charting metal album ever when it came out and it, it it is that album fucking rules and it's so brutal and it's heavier than anything else they did after and anything they did before and like i i just think that there is this way to become a legendary metal band and it is steering out of what people would expect you to do that is why white pony works because you heard around the fur around the fur is this like really tight album that is fucking just heavy and it's screaming and it's like this new thing and then white pony comes out and it's like whoa this isn't like anything like that last album you know like this is a whole different vibe so i think they were doing the right shit you know what i mean and that is why slipknot never had a down period like corn did it's why that slipknot was able to endure the whole time because of this one choice i think Really, this is the choice they made that was right,
0: I think, yeah, well, I mean, we've talked about that before, right? We've sort of talked about how two thousand and one in particular, two thousand and two was a sort of inflection point that you kind of you couldn't be corn anymore. Bands that were trying to be corn and limb biscuit all fell by the wayside, and including corn and limb biscuit, like you know, corn completely fell off you know, with take a look at the mirror and then, you know, limb biscuit results may vary and the, you know, the other, the unquestionable truth and all that, like you couldn't be those bands anymore. You either had to be Linkin Park or you had to be Slipknot or Disturbed or like you had to be clearly much poppier, Hoobastank, Incubus, POD, or you had to go heavier. So I agree with that. Like I think Slipknot sort of set that blueprint. It's just what's interesting to me if Slipknot's debut album comes out in 99 and sounds like Korn's album that came out in 94 or Deftone's album that came out in 95, like follow the leader came out in 98. If Slipknot wanted to have really good production on their first album, and maybe it wasn't available to them, but Ross Robinson produced it. You know, yeah. he theoretically had the tools in 1999. You know, we know we learned in 94 with Korn, like he just genuinely didn't even really know what he was doing. Presumably by 99, if he wanted to make Slipknot sound like this in 99, like sound like Iowa, he could have. And they didn't. And then with this one, they sound way better. And I don't know if it's just maybe they have more money. The label gives them more money. So you afford better equipment, better studios, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think all of that is a factor. Uh, But it is interesting that, you know, in the midst of sort of new metal being in its massive excess period in 99 where you have significant other coming out, you know, which sounds amazing. Follow the leader just came out, which sounds amazing, you know, big touchstone records like that sound really good. And slipknot released a sort of gritty thing, which feels on purpose. It's sort of surprising that they didn't stick with that sort of thing. But I agree. Like, I think this sounds really good And I, what I, one thing I like about it, even though I don't like the songs is like, I think it's really interesting that it starts out with people equals shit and disaster piece, which are probably the two heaviest songs on the record. So it's like, you would get this. If you're a fan of Slipknot, but you're a fan of like the singles. If you were like a wait and bleed Slipknot fan or a spit it out Slipknot fan, you know, if you put this record on, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like disaster piece is five minutes long People equal shit is 335. So the first like eight and a half minutes of this record are brutal. They are heavy as shit. Like, I don't like it. I like I I remember I, you know, when I started listening to this for this review, I started out the record, and I was like, I don't remember it being this heavy. And then I was like, oh shit, is this whole record this heavy? Am I gonna hate this entire record? And then I didn't. I, you know, pretty much from my plague on it gets a little bit lighter and it's better. I don't think my plague is a particularly good song either, but that's besides the point. It's not that heavy is what I'm saying, but like starting out with the two heaviest songs too is like almost a move. I also respect because they're kind of saying like, Oh, you wanted, you wanted that shit. Check this out. We're about to blow your minds. Like it, it's so heavy to start out. It's, it's very, uh, it's very shocking.
1: Yeah. It I mean, it is a super heavy album. It's probably the heaviest mainstream album I've ever heard. Like album that made it in the mainstream. This is as close as you're gonna get to a death metal, a mainstream death metal album. Yeah. Which yeah, I'd say I also, that's true. I also found it that made it something I liked a little bit more too, is like they took this thing that like I don't love and they made it melodic and they made it uh they made it a little bit more interesting and like i i like that about this album i i actually like the whole fucking thing there wasn't any time where i didn't like what i was listening to except there was the part in that fucking uh a, a, the song iowa at the end you you know yeah. i hate those those things you know the other smart thing slipknot did i think was um Rip off Mushroom Head's idea for being a lot of guys in masks in a band. <laughs> like that was a genius thing.
0: And if you yeah, want to read more, they were more paying about attention that. to the Cleveland metal scene. They were dialed <laughs> yeah. into the Cleveland metal scene and they were like, you know what, we're going to do? That band was the first ever band to use masks and art together, like art and music together. And Slipknot was like, that's actually a pretty good idea. When you think about it, music is kind of art. So why don't we also do some other sort of art with this thing?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, this is a good album. I, I, I really enjoyed it. There's a few lyrical things I think that when I listen to those, uh very goofy and like like um Yeah, I like masterpiece like, a lot. Um yeah. everything ends. Said, uh, "I haven't slept since I woke up and found out my whole life was a motherfucker. And then I, it made me
0: realize was like, a lie. Was a lie. It's a. It's a. I haven't slept since I woke up and found my whole life was a lie, motherfucker.
1: Yeah. Does did did did? Gore get divorced around this album? Because there's a lot of divorce lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He this. did, there's but a it few was divorce after. Songs.
0: I think it was after. Like if you read the interviews, he definitely talks about how he was." very hard on his wife on the road. He he specifically mentions that he had a threesome, uh, which pe- they, people love to say that uh, people love to just be like, yeah, I, I, you know, my wife left me cause I had a three way on the road when I was fucked up on drugs. Um, but yeah, everything ends. I love because I can very specifically remember that, that song as one of the touchstones for me where I've talked about this on the show before where I had a very good life. Everything was fine. My parents were together. They're still together. I grew up in a nice house in a nice neighborhood. I went to a nice school. I was smart. I had a job, whatever. Uh, but I thought my whole life was fucked up. And so that whole you're, you're wrong, fucked and overrated. I think I'm going to be sick and it's your fault. Oh baby. When I was 16 years old hearing that, I was like, God damn, finally someone is saying exactly how I'm feeling. Everyone is overrated. You are wrong, fucked, and overrated, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and then I also, and then right in 01, I also, my high school girlfriend and I broke up. So that would have been like right around the key sort of time where I'd been like, yeah, I think I'm going to be sick and it's your fault. You did this to me. Um, thank you for for fucking me over. You know, she cheated on me. That So this was like, Corey was just... Oh. Corey was speaking he was just dropping truth into my ears, but in 2022 something like people equal shit is really tough to take. Uh, just because like, I remember like, so I don't really remember that song super well. So I think it's funny because you think of it like, Oh, uh, you know, that's just a metaphor or whatever. That's just like a stupid title that Slipknot not made, you know, whatever that doesn't really mean anything. And then the chorus is literally Corey yelling people equals shit. And you're like, okay, come on, man. (laughs) Really? That's we're really, we're yelling out people equals shit in the song. Uh, That's not doing not for me. They don't like people. I know. Well, he does talk about that in one of the interviews too, where he says that that whole thing is about basically that, that they were just like, that's what people equal shit is about. That like everybody wanted a piece of us, and we just like couldn't handle it. And we we're like, you know what? We're we're done. Leave us alone, kind of thing.
1: People equal shit. It's uh, there are some corny fucking lyrics on here. I have. Uh, I can't stand to see your thalidomide robot face. I yeah. don't even try it. You had to be a liar just to infiltrate me. I'm still drowning on Left Behind, and I was like, you don't have to hit. Why did thalidomide kids have to take a hit? Yeah.
0: you know <laughs> especially in 2001 the line was that was way over in 01 he's just reaching yeah. for like something that sounds interesting yeah uh
1: very there are a a few really like one of the songs opens with um what's that lyric you know what I, the lyric i'm thinking about too uh fuck. which one okay i i can't remember uh but there is a song on here that starts out with some fetus line or something like this. Oh. And uh, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Corey I don't loves know. to talk about
0: fetuses, you know?
1: Yeah. Some of these lyrics on this album are so hard to uh, find. I know that in one of the songs, I thought he said something about having a Mazda. And uh, I Googled <laughs> that, but you can't understand a lot of what he's saying. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm yeah, Googling it's, it.
0: It's yeah. a lot of yelling and a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, I think this, yeah, I, I'm with you though. Like once the album kind of gets into everything ends, I think pretty much every song past there is good. I could do without Iowa. I don't really need a 15 minute song to finish off a record. And it's not that interesting. It does have a lot more of that sound collage stuff. And then when you read, like they talk about how Corey was like naked and cutting himself and puking and shit when he was, do- it's like, man, I don't need to hear that about this song, dude. I don't give a shit really. Like that's not, it's not that interesting to me, unfortunately. No. Uh, you know? Yeah. It was just, Yeah, Taylor says, I just remember, this is from Revolver. "Uh, I just remember a lot of darkness, a lot of anger. This is a 10-year anniversary retrospective in Revolver, by the way. Uh, Came out in December 2011 by John Weterhorn. And uh, Corey was like, I just remember a lot of darkness, a lot of anger. I was cutting myself, recording songs in the studio. I was bleeding everywhere. I just wanted something. I didn't care what it was. I was rolling in pissed, rolling out pissed. And I wasn't letting anything go when I was doing the self-titled album. I was letting so much go and it felt good doing Iowa. I wasn't letting anything go. It was just rage for the sake of rage. It was just gnarly. And I was so fucking unhappy. Luckily, we got a dark, brutal, amazing album out of it. Um, And then, yeah, on their Wikipedia, it talks about how he, uh, Yeah, that he was completely naked, vomiting all over himself and cutting himself with broken glass while recording vocals for the final song, Iowa. And it's like, that (sighs) song isn't even heavy. That's not even a heavy song. It's not even, yeah, it's not worth it, man. So yeah, that song I could have done without, but everything else really good. Uh, Gently is excellent. I think Left Behind is one of Slipknot's best ever songs. Um, Skin Ticket, really good. Um, Yeah, I I, I thought the, the back half of the album in particular... Uh, all very strong.
1: Yeah, I just, I cannot stand uh, sound collages. I think they're my, like, least favorite thing. It's like, stop making those. I, I'm telling that to a band in 2001 not to make them. But, yeah, like, stop it's, that. I, I think I see it as the most self-indulgent possible thing you could do, especially on an album like this that's like, everything is pretty tight here. You, I mean, it's an hour-long album, but in the end it's a 45 minute album because that song does not need to be 15 minutes long. And, uh, it, it it just, the album would be wall to wall bangers if it wasn't for Iowa, which is the kind of song just really set up to annoy the shit out of a guy like me. Cause I, I can't stand that I'm making noises. And then, so it's like, he's rolling around in glass and stuff. It's like to do that, like to make that, fucking bunch i could make those noises without hurting myself or eating my own shit or whatever it is he's doing in that fucking room or whatever like i could make iowa without doing that so i'm just gonna leave that out there but that that's the thing about this band that i think is the best is that they're insane tryhards uh their interviews are some of the worst interviews we've read
0: Yeah, so we uh we looked at three interviews here. Uh the first one is from Blunt magazine, uh and Slipknot was apparently featured in Blunt magazine. On uh, in their very first issue, Blunt Number One, Uh, they were interviewed uh, back in 2001 by Mark Hughes. Uh, They were interviewed at Ozfest, and then we also have the Revolver article I talked about, which is a ten-year retrospective. And then we have uh, one of our favorite things to look at on the show: a Rolling Stone profile uh, from October 11th, 2001. So Iowa came out in August. This record, uh, or sorry, this interview would have been done a couple months after that. And it's uh, the title of the article is slipknot highway to hell on the Ozfest tour. Death metals, mutant nine headed spawn prepares America for the shock of their latest album uh, by Anthony Baza. Uh, So yeah, Brian, did you want to lead this off with the, uh, with some of, some of your favorite pieces from here?
1: So the rolling stuff guy did not like the blunt article because he opened with a joke and it irritated me. So I didn't write anything down for that one. (laughs) Um, I don't know why it was like a joke and I just was like I can't. I don't want to listen. I I can't deal with this guy. Uh like uh, like what Corey? Uh, or you mean the article itself? The article, the actual author of the article opens with like a joke that I something about 9/11 joke. He was kind of doing a 9/11 joke, which at it's the time said, yeah, I guess 2001, was 2001
0: 2001 was a confusing year. Star Wars was back, but it wasn't good anymore. People could download music to their home computers with this newfangled technology called iTunes and sales of Jenga plummeted for absolutely no reason at all with no unfortunate incidents that can make the concept for such a game look slightly awkward. Oh yeah. yeah I hated yeah, okay. that. It's not funny. I got can't got it deal because with that, that wasn't even part of the original article. <laughs> so that's yeah. why it's funny. That was, they were doing it in 2021 to be like, check out this article we wrote back in 2001. Anyway, go ahead.
1: I mean, you could do a good nine 11 joke. I'm sure I've done a couple of them, but you know, <laughs> that joke was not a good one. Like it just wasn't actually good. Uh, uh I wanted to talk about the opening to the Rolling Stone article a bit because I went to several Ozfests like I think I went to like 5 or 6 at least um And it opens with this little thing that says the shirtless sunburned man with one broken arm ignores the cop in front of him. Sir, if you don't leave this area, I'll take you in on drunken disorderly, the officer says, as the man runs up to the ticket takers at the gates of the Verizon Wireless Amphitheater in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've got to find my wife, he yells. Can you let me in to find my wife? The temperature is well into the nineties. The air is soupy with humidity, and only three of Ozfest's twelve hours have passed. Uh, That is what Ozfest feels like. That was crazy to read. It took me and transported me <laughs> right back to right every back. Ozfest that I went to. Yeah, it just the whole it had all those feelings for me. The sunburned guy, the drunk guy at fucking eleven thirty in the morning. Some guys. Fucking trashed and throwing up all over the place, and you're like, you know, you got a whole day ahead of you. Yeah, you, you got to get know? this.
0: Yeah, you got to get your shit together. Yeah. Um. Well, I'll I'll pick out. There was only a couple things. The blunt article wasn't that great, but uh, you know, just to kind of talk, we'd been talking about how Slipknot were sort of tryhards. This is very funny to me. Uh, With this album, the media have been starved of any sort of promo for the album. There hasn't been any pre-release distribution of the CD to any media. And that's a deliberate plan of the band. As Taylor explains, we're trying to put the mystique back into music. You know what I'm saying? Everything today is about mass marketing or cross promotion and all that crap. We wanted to get away from that. We wanted to put something back. We wanted to put a little bit more danger back into it. We did that before, but we were coming from nowhere. So this time we wanted to put our money where our mouth is. wanted to come up with something special. And I don't know how not letting the media hear your album in advance has anything to do with mass marketing or cross promotion or any of that. It just seems like it doesn't seem like that crucial of a thing to do. And Corey's making it sound like we're a fucking dangerous. We won't let the critics hear this until it comes out.
1: So, John, I have a theory on that sure and uh i'm just gonna say that in the original in the revolver piece the first person they talk to is a label guy that that released the album and he says when he first was handed the album and he heard how heavy it was he said what am i going to do with this yeah and uh my guess is that what he was going to do with it is hide it from the press. So they didn't hear it before it came out <laughs> and gave it reviews that indicates that it's not easy to listen to.
0: Yeah, no, totally, totally. And then <laughs> the other thing here that really pissed me off is that like Corey yelled at people, which we went through this with fear factory. Remember when Burton yelled at the guys in the front row, cause they weren't standing up or whatever. This is really annoying. Um, Slipknot seem almost uh, sorry there. Now this is a show review. The maggots are going berserk and way up on the hill. Small fires are burning with hordes of demented fans dancing encircling circling the flames in some sort of pagan offering to their metal gods. Slipknot seem almost satisfied. They want the maggots to prove themselves at the gig. But halfway the performance vocal. Sorry, halfway through the performance. Vocalist Corey Taylor has a little between song banter with the crowd. Maybe banter isn't the right word. It is more like an abusive spat. What the fuck are you people doing? He says, targeting the throng down the front who obviously aren't getting into it enough. Those maggots way, way, way up in the back there are just absolutely going fucking crazy. But you people down here in the front are just fucked. What is wrong with you, huh? He Says almost spitting on them.
1: Yeah, like, oh, because man. we can we're up close. You know, and and there's security up in front. People don't go fucking wild in the front at these big shows because there's security up front at these big fucking shows. If you're at OzFest, which apparently, according to the article, they get fined $15,000 if they stage dive. I mean, that happens to the bands if they fuck up. Now, imagine you're the people in the front row by the stage at the concert, how security treats you. You yeah, know? totally, totally. Like, nobody hates I, the the most hate I've ever seen in someone's eyes is security at a heavy metal concert. Oh, like they just they hate totally. everybody in the
0: audience. And they know it's like a rougher crowd that they can maybe like beat up a little bit. So they're like, yeah. you know, so they're they're like ready to beat. So they want to beat someone up. I grew up thinking they were the police. Basically, like
1: right. you just looked at those. guys. I remember um, my brother told me when I went to my first couple shows, he was like, OK, if you see the security guards pulling somebody out of the pit, you get up there, you grab his arm, you pull him in. We fuck them up. OK. And I was like, concerts are the coolest shit in the world. Now, that doesn't <laughs> actually really happen, but it no. made it sound like the most fun place in the world to me, like a true joy. To be at a heavy metal concert. So, sure, sure. Um, but, I mean, I can imagine. I just think it sucks when, when, especially metal bands, yell at the people in the front for not going fucking batshit crazy. First of all, the people in the front paid a lot more for fucking tickets. Like, a lot, a lot for tickets. And secondly, again, security will fuck them up and can kick them out of the show. Any time I have seen security fuck guys up several fucking times. You know, I paid, you know, whatever the ticket prices were back then. I paid this like insanely high front row ticket price. And uh, also the guy's going to kick my ass. But thank God, Corey Taylor's on stage telling me I'm not moving fast enough to his songs.
0: Yeah. Glad I'm glad I'm glad he's pissed. Glad I'm pissing him off. The guy I love that I'm here to see can i also say that the that
1: that i think i i hate to do this and i know it's weird uh i think he's lying about the people lighting the fires
0: (laughs) yeah i have a hard time imagining (laughs) at oz fest there was just open fires lit that was totally fine
1: it's just hard to believe that somebody would let them do that if that makes sense you know oh yeah (laughs) no for sure you can't light a fire. They just won't let you. So it's a big fucking lie to make it seem like the people in the back were losing their fucking minds and the people in the front were just being lazy, which, listen, that's the problem with heavy, big metal concerts in, in 20 and in, in 2022, actually, is that like when me and Brett went and saw Corn, it wasn't very fucking fun because like. The people paid $100 to be down in that pit. They don't want to fucking be running around and banging into each other. They want to stand right in front of the music because they paid 100 fucking dollars.
0: Yeah. So, and they're likely our age. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, my moshing days are over, but I still love corn and I want to see them.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Fuck these fucking. That was so try hard. So let's get into some real try hard shit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They- dial me up Uh, where's it at here let me get it here i'm I'm queuing you up here here we go in 30 minutes the wisecracking band members have become silent otherworldly visions yeah otherworldly underworldly visions taylor's transformation is the most disturbing he sits on one end of a couch twitching and moaning gutturally like a caged animal he gets up bends over heaves spits out something chunky and retires to the bathroom to begin screaming fucking and then so this is after the show after they get off stage that was before fucking awful taylor says flopping on the dressing room couch afterward pathetic crayon says throwing his mask and wiping snot from his beard that was shit jordison huffs in the corner jones takes off his helmet revealing slightly rusty round rivet marks in his skin he looks as if he's been tacked by a sucker fish he also looks angrier than before but says nothing were the people in the first 20 rows on valium Fane ass dropping his coveralls changing into his other band persona Naked guy, they were sitting there all spiritual and into it. What's spiritual about people? Equal shit. And it's like so they that's putting on a fucking show for the people back for for the Rolling oh, Stone. Yeah, guy back. they don't act like that after every show. But if the Rolling Stone guy wrote that the concert sucked, then they could be like, then you know they've registered their their thing that it sucks. So now like they can't lose here. You you can't lose. If you walk back and say you sucked before yeah. they can write the article saying you sucked.
0: <laughs> totally. Totally. And yeah, I think like uh, there, you know, we talked about how Mick Thompson seems to be like a real pile oh. of shit. This, this, this whole segment and, and this, you tweeted about this today. And I thought your observation was bang on that. Like Rolling Stone really wanted to, uh, really wanted to, um, you know, just they, Rolling Stone wanted them to show off and the band was all too happy to show off. And Rolling Stone was just eating it up and just all too happy to do it. This, this whole fucking line is just gross and awful guitarist, Mick Thompson, the darkest comedian, this side of the Marquis de Sade talks loudly about satisfying his sex drive on the road. My new thing is finding boys who are too young to ejaculate. He says in a husky voice, tailor made for MCing monster truck events. That way there's no stain on my blue dress. And I send them home just a bit wiser. Unbelievable. That was printed in a magazine. Unbelievable. (laughs) He said it just, I mean, there's another one later. that I'm not going to read. The one later is possibly worse than that. It's like, yeah, holy god man yeah and really it really rough too. it's not
1: it's fucking reeks of music guy trying to be funny and it yeah it exactly. irritates the piss out of me oh he's, not the, he's a
0: dark comedian he's the funny guy of the band and then his funniness is is making a pedophile joke with a monica Lewinsky joke
1: yeah <laughs> folded <laughs> into
0: it really good stuff yeah well oh, man that's great uh
1: Way too late to be made for people that don't know he's, 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 you know, three years since the Monica Lewinsky thing. It's, it's way too fucking late, but I guess he just was afraid to say, come or something. Yeah. I also noticed that a lot of these guys Like to show off their taste in music Which I always enjoy Because it's such a particular thing That happened especially with new metal bands Later on once new metal was Deemed to be uncool It was like oh man you should check out All my music man One guy's been back noodling a Radiohead song The other guy's in the back singing I am the man of constant sorrow uh, And another they're listening to Journey and Guns N' Roses And it's like dude dude Dude, we fucking know you don't just listen to heavy metal. Like everybody, nobody thinks that just because you play something, it means that's all you listen to. I guess people did think that back then because they were dumb. But like, uh, uh, I found that to be very funny. But also, let me see if I got any more. Because that Thompson guy really did you get that? Did you
0: get the quote about the guy who said that he had to listen to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles? Uh, because they're playing with Lincoln park, which was great. No, no I <laughs> yeah, did So that was part of his whole, that was, that was Thompson as well. Um, yeah, he said, uh, so this is this whole segment, this whole thing about Mick Thompson is just absurd. Uh, he said, Thompson is a burly six feet four with long black hair and a beard. He looks like a lumberjack from Hades and is no friend on our Lord Jesus. Generally, I say whatever makes you happy, fine, but leave me the fuck alone. However, Christianity is a fucking blight on humanity. There is nothing sicker that this world has ever seen than organized religion. People give me shit because I watched the 700 Club and Robert Tilton. Whatever. Know thy enemy. Uh, and That's then, so this cool. is this is the great part here about the listening to other music that you were talking about. Thompson may look and talk 100 percent metal, but a peek into his CD case says otherwise. Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones, a Mozart concerto, Gore Fest, lots of Hendrix, Stones and Beatles, Morbid Angel, Iron Maiden, Anthrax, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse, The Misfits. Quote, I have to have my Beatles and Stones, he says. That's the only way you can stay on tour when you're playing with Lincoln Park. Please print that. If they wanna fight, my butt my bus is if they wanna fight, my bus is the white one with the stupid gay stuff on the side of it.
1: Oh my god. Oh, that's so, so funny, cool. Nick. You're fucking nuts, dude. He's nuts. Whoa, you're fucking man. nuts,
0: man. He's nuts. Dude. I like Does this. Does Lincoln line Park too. wanna fucking fight me? Lincoln Park, you wanna fight? I'll fucking kill you, dude. I
1: like this line. There's two types of people, sheep and goats. It's a wake up. call. We're not here to follow. We're here to break the monotony and the rules of efficiency. An artist's job is to be out of their mind to help the evolution of the species. I'm tired of wisecracks about us. We're serious. Take this shit seriously. And it's like, dude, you have a dildo nose. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you have a guy in your band with a fucking dildo for a nose that I mean, don't fucking tell me to take you seriously and then wear those goofy. The masks are goofy and I don't care how seriously you take it. It doesn't affect me in the least how seriously you take it. Now, that being said, they didn't make a good album, so I'm going to give them that little bit. Um, I want to read one last. This is my last piece from the article. Oh, no. Wait, there's two. Shit. First, I'll read another Mick Thompson first. I go to a fucking mall and I get followed by security. Thompson says to a group of fans and musicians sipping beer after the show. It's like, hello, I'm shopping. Here's what's cool though. In the end, I own your fucking children. Say what you want. I can tell your kids to fucking kill you in your sleep and they will. He who laughs laughs last motherfucker. It's like, well, that's an inflated sense of importance, sir, for, for who you are. And secondly, uh, it's 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 crazy that members of Slipknot experience racism. <laughs> well, it's also it feels like he's saying he experiences
0: racism to me. <laughs> totally. It's also interesting to me that like he wouldn't be he would be this dumb like we're only 2 years out from Columbine at this time that he would be dumb enough to put that quote on the record because genuinely some kid could shoot up a school or kill his parents and say Slipknot made him do it. And then all they got to do is go to the Rolling Stone article and be like, yeah, this guy clearly said like, I own your children. I'm telling them to shoot up their parents and they did it. And then now all of a sudden you like, you're answering some serious questions for that. Like you would think you would be smart enough to, to figure that out. But
1: I also love, I love this. Uh, Fucker was, so this is Corey Taylor
0: telling a story about a guy who pretended to be Corey Taylor. <laughs> yeah, cuz they were still like masked up at this point. People didn't really know what Corey Taylor looked like. Yeah,
1: and I'm going to tell you what I believe that this story is a fucking lie, but it's a fun story to tell. So 100%. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucker was sitting there with some chick and I go up and ask for an autograph. He stares at me and he says some shit about management not letting him give autographs. So that part right there That might actually makes me lean towards it's true because I've told you guys the story about my sister dated a guy who said he was Buster Bunny from uh, Tiny Toons Adventures, but he wasn't allowed to do the voice because his management told him. (laughs) <laughs> he wasn't ever allowed to do the voice outside of the place. Sure. They, they own the voice.
0: They own the and voice. And my sister
1: fucking believed that shit too. Sure. And yeah, of course. I did too for a period. I was in like ninth grade. But anyway, so that, that detail might make this true. But here's the part that's not true. So I go, oh, cool. Well, let me give you my autograph. Fucking grab a napkin. I write Corey Taylor, number eight. All the crew comes around the table. And this guy knows what's up. He's looking at our laminates and shit. And I go, you've got five seconds to get the fuck out of here he starts saying something and i'm like get out of here now some girl grabs him as he's running out like Corey, where are you going and i go honey he's really got to go early band practice if he couldn't sue me i'd have kicked his fucking ass damn it he walks off decisively and it's like god don't tell those stories dude that story comes off as a lie even if it's true
0: well i love the uh yeah this one too we talked about earlier they they love to They love to say insane things like this. This is uh, Joey Jordison's talking about Satanism. And then Sean Crahan is more specific. We're 100% not a Satanistic band. He proclaims in his raspy, booming voice. We're beyond that. We're communicating in a way that people won't understand for years to come. (laughs) Imagine saying that about your metal album. You're only your second one ever. You're not even that famous. You're on OzFest at this point. You're not even, it's not like you're even doing your massive headlining tours yet or anything like that. We're communicating in a way people won't understand for years to come. And then this quote from Joey Jordison made me laugh. Uh, a few girls hover nearby giggling. They aren't typical Slipknot groupies who, according to Jordison, are very quiet, seductive, goth, bondage-looking chicks, always with black hair. A lot of them want you to have sex with them with the mask on. You know, if a girl is going to take her pants off that easily for you, who knows who she's already been with? Probably Crazy Town.
1: <laughs> These guys, they just did, they didn't They did want to be considered new metal. Man. No, that's no, it. They, uh, they, were they had to do a it. lot. Yeah, so they come off really bad, and needless to say, in all of the articles they read, we read, they come off extremely bad and annoying. So, but you know, these bands all often do uh, uh, come off as annoying. Uh, yeah, I like that Ross Robinson broke his back.
0: Yeah, he broke he his back the and then returned to, to work. The, returned to the studio a day later. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, this, so this is the revolver. There's a a couple good ones I wanted to read in here. Ross Robinson, I broke my back in a bike accident, which was really perfect for the album because Slipknot were experiencing huge success and going out every night and not showing up to the studio on time. And as soon as I broke my back motocrossing, I took one day off and then I showed up the next day and I was in so much pain. I just went, look, motherfuckers, I'm showing up. Let's get it the fuck on. That seemed to work. Yeah, I assume. Yeah, and then this sounds awful. Like this is where they sound like uh, Sid Wilson, the turntablist. Ross got hurt, and he'd still come back to work hurt. That guy and me got a lot in common. He was in a <laughs> wheelchair, all fucked up and in pain, and you could hear him screaming in pain while he was producing the album. Like that just sounds stupid. Like, wh- yeah, how is that an effective way of doing it? And we talked about this earlier. They just love to tell you how miserable Iowa was. Like they're just. Cause that's the other thing I don't really get. It's like, or that's really funny. It's like for Rolling Stone, they're like, yeah, people are pretending to be us. We're fucking all these chicks. I'm hilarious. Our band is amazing. But then for revolver, they're like, Iowa was awful. It was the worst experience of our life. Now, again, this is 10 years down the road, but it's like, why it's still insane. How miserable, like they really want you to know they had a horrible time. This is clown. It was a disaster because the world got in. Sophomore record, drugs, women, just listening to you guys are going to be huge. Everybody wants our money. So I hate the album, but it is brutality at its finest. People are like, do another Iowa. And I'm like, extends middle finger, sit on this. You know why? We almost all died. It was bad. There were chemicals. I was probably the worst, man. My wife was very ill during those times. Now that that sucks. I felt really isolated because I couldn't be with her. So out of the sadness of not being together, there's that frustration and anger too, that she's taking care of three kids and we're being lied to about money and we're still broke. I was just anti everyone in the band coming for everyone in the band. There's a reason why half my brain is cut out of my mask. I have two horns, a pentagram blood. Just bring it on. Hey mom, you want to call me me a Satanist. Cool. I'm going to do all this, not because I'm a Satanist, but because I'm pissed off at you for judging me. So guess what? I'm going to punish you for the next how many years your kid is a fan of ours. And then Corey, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. and Then Corey follows that with one night we were having patio furniture Olympics, throwing shit through the patio doors into the LA river. We threw chairs, all my dishes. We tried to get the bed over there at one point. It all culminated with a threesome in somebody's hotel room. I regret how it made my girl at the time feel. I like this Thompson, one last Thompson quote for me. Yeah. I was disgusting of
1: those of us that got sucked into that world of sex and drugs. I wasn't hanging out in the dressing room and chasing skirt every night. Sorry, not my thing. I just avoided people on days off. You'd never see me out of my hotel room. I'd go, okay, fuck. Now I have about 16 hours where I don't have to hear anyone else's fucking voice. It doesn't say hate in Japanese on my fucking forearm for no reason. (laughs)
0: I love the quote is fucking believable. It doesn't say hate in Japanese on my fucking forearm for no reason. Sick. That's a sick thing to do, dude. So cool. And I, yeah, he has the earlier quote, too, in this one. That's good. No one really knows who they are until they're in a different situation. People think, oh, I'm really grounded. I'm faithful. I would never cheat on my girlfriend or my wife. Oh, really? Ever had extremely hot pussy dangling in front of your face every (laughs) fucking night willing to give it up? No, but at some point when that is offered to you, how do you respond? Everything's changing finances, fucking relationships. You can never really know who your friends are. How do you trust anybody that you've met? Once you're fucking famous, everybody loves you now. Yeah, I like that in all of this, he's trying to paint himself as like, look, I'm the good guy, man. They were Hot pussy was just hanging off me and I just said, hell no, man. I'm going to go home, play Xbox, tattoo Japanese on my forearm and just chill. He even says beat off, which I also love. He says that at the end of the, yeah, he says, I'd rather be alone than be around a bunch of people. I don't care about, don't care about me or are fucking full of shit. I can sit home and play Xbox, play my guitar, beat off and sleep. What else do you need?
1: Nice. God, these guys are so cool, man. I just I can't believe how cool they are. They just do the craziest
0: stuff. Oh, fuck this. uh, Sorry. One last Mick Thompson. It's just so good because Joey is very funny. So I guess they got fucked over by their first manager. So Joey's quote, he says, our manager at the time, Steve Richards, did a lot of good things. God bless his soul. He's dead. But it was the old scenario you hear about with Ted Nugent or whoever. We ended up being ripped off and not told the truth. But I don't think about that stuff anymore. I hope he's resting well and that he's in a better place. I hold no grudges against Steve. Mick Thompson, I should dig Steve Richards up and beat his fucking corpse. Every once in a while, I think there may be a god that put a cyst on his brainstem and caused him to be a fucking zombie. The dude just stepped into our lives and tried to cause rifts between band members because as long as you've got them occupied, you can be raping them and stealing from them and they're not noticing because they're too caught up in stupid shit to see a bigger picture.
1: Oh God, Mick, you were smart though. You were able to see through all that stuff. Yeah. That's, I just I love mean, that's that juxtaposition.
0: Joey's like, I forgive him. He's the best. And right into, I should dig him up and beat his corpse. <laughs> Incredible, Mick, just uh, really great stuff. Cool, so anyway, uh, that is Slipknot's Iowa. We're going to get to our tweet defense. If you've never listened to the show before, what this is, is our way of rating the album where if uh, someone were to tweet at us, Slipknot, Iowa sucks. It is how many tweets we would do in defense of the album, Brian. I'll let you go first.
1: Um, you know how my 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 disclaimer that my scores almost you know just mean how I feel that day. I'm going to give this one like a nice fifteen. I'm going to give it a fifteen.
0: That's I think it's
1: really good. I think it's a really good fucking album. It's not my favorite one we've done, um, which. That one is Hollywood Undead, which had a 35. Um, (laughs) But this is a good album. This is a good, fun album. Uh, uh, Not fun. It's not fun to listen to, but it's good. (laughs) Like, my wife would never want to hear it or anything like that. But personally, I would listen to it again. I I probably will listen to it again. And I've listened to it a million times. I don't know why I'm acting like this is the first time I'm hearing it.
0: Uh, well, yeah, it is, uh, I agree a good record again. I, you know, I don't think it's great. I'm probably not going to rush to listen to it more, but I certainly did like it. And, and as I said earlier, I like a lot of the choices they made on this record. So I think I will go five. I think I would give it a, a, a five defense, which for me is pretty high. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no it's 35, pretty, it's no 35, but, uh, but then again, what is, uh, it was uh, a great, uh, yeah, a great, Chance to go back down memory lane, remember this album and Slipknot just continue to be a fascinating band. I, You know, you and I were sort of like, oh, doing Slipknot for the second time. Are we going to have enough things to talk about? And um, they just feel like a band that no matter which record of theirs we do, there'll be stuff to talk about because they're just such a fascinating group of nine guys yeah. from Iowa. Uh, If you want to hear more of this show and you want to support the show, if you love it, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the podcast. That's cast with a K. We do three bonus episodes every single month chosen by you, the listeners. Uh, You can actually donate to the show and tell us what to cover for bonus episodes. We do one full length bonus episode every month. That can be like a compilation. It can be a new metal album from a lesser known band, Uh, It can be, we just did Lincoln Park's reanimation. That's a, a remix album. We'll do anything like that. Uh, that's, it's all over there on the Patreons, 50 bucks, uh, one-time donation. We also do singles. So if there's a new metal song, you're dying for us to cover. We do two of those every month. So if you donate at the lowest level, you get to listen to all the bonus episodes. If you donate at a higher level, you get to tell us what to do. We also just started doing a brand new thing on our Patreon, where if you want to read all of these articles and you don't want to have to go through the hassle of finding them yourself, we're going to post them on Patreon for our patrons Uh, So every month you'll get the articles right there in your inbox that you can take a read of them or in your Patreon inbox, I should say. Uh, We also send you a listening list. So we give you a, a chance to find out a month in advance or a couple weeks in advance, what we're listening to. So you can catch up and be listening to the same things that we are. And we have a discord too. So it's a great deal Four bucks a month, head on over to Patreon to check that out. You can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast again, cast with a K and over on our Twitter, you get to vote on who wins the challenge. Uh this is what we do to finish off every show. Uh we come up with a challenge uh based on the band Brian last month. Uh we were challenged with uh coming up with a uh uh coming up with a Hollywood undead name uh and you won. I mean it was close. It was 55-45 and then a lot of people had maybe suggested it would be a tie. And then I asked people if If tie was an option, would they have voted for it? 55% said no. 45% said yes. So I have no choice but to hand over the victory to you for John Freaky Sex Kennedy. Uh, So (laughs) you are now in the lead. You have 17 wins. (laughs) I have 15. We have one tie. Uh, this month, Brian, our challenge was decided by you. Uh, what You can explain to the listeners what it is. Oh, the song titles on this album are just as try-hard as the
1: articles were. So I was like, mm-hmm. just a Slipknot song title, you know? You know, they got a song called, like, New Abortion and, and stuff like that. So I'll go first. And this is yeah. my, my, my song title for a Slipknot album that I would be making. And it's called The Genocidal Diarrhea Conspiracy.
0: Oh, okay. That sounds more like a head head P.E. song to me.
1: But it has genocide in it. Genocide is key. Diarrhea.
0: Yeah. I mean, conspiracy
1: maybe doesn't fit, but like genocide and diarrhea is definitely two things they'd put in a song. Well, they should. If they haven't used diarrhea yet, they're fucking loose. They're they're so behind the curve. I would have already had three diarrhea songs. (laughs)
0: Well, they also, they love to talk about in their interviews, like how much they puke. That's like a big, you know, you had read that one quote, but there's a lot of, oh, they puke on stage every night. They puke into their masks. It's like, Jesus Christ. Uh, Mine, I was kind of going with the sort of, you know, I feel like especially on Iowa, a lot of these songs are sort of related to society. You know, they love to talk (laughs) about society. They're very much guys who who would tweet that we live in a society. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to use that word and I'm going to go with societal exorcism. Okay. I feel like that's that a very, very uh, slipknot. yeah, it feels like, yeah, we got to you know, and they'd ask them about it and they'd be like, look, you know, society's full of demons and, you know, we just gotta, we gotta, it's up to us and the kids, You know, we got to exercise these demons, you know, we got to fix the way like I could just totally see them talking about it. So that's what I'm going with. Societal exorcism. Hopefully I can get a W back on the board. You've won the last four months in a row. So I'd love to uh, to get back in the winners column. So, yeah, you'll be able to vote on the winner of that next month. Another thing you'll be able to vote for on our Twitter is which album we review next month. Every month, only on our Twitter, we release The Poll. Uh, So make sure you're following us again, twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. Brian will pick two albums. I will pick two albums. And then it will be up to you to choose one of the four for us to decide, uh, you know, to which one we listen to the following month. And um, yeah, Brian, do you have a theme this month for your two? You just free basing it? How are you feeling over there?
1: I think I am just going to go with a couple that that uh, I want to do,
0: you know? Okay. So okay. sure.
1: I, uh, you know what? I'm just going to do the two that I, I do every time I want to do one. Uh, uh, Cold Chamber and uh, Soulfly. Those okay. are the two I'm doing. Cold
0: Chamber and Soulfly. And the theme can be self-titled albums. Okay, so self-titled Cold Chamber album, self-titled Soulfly album. Okay, I like that. I haven't really listened to either of those. So that would be fun. They're to get great into. Two very fun albums to do. I don't think they'll win, but they're two very, uh, fun albums. they might. I'm going like, uh, I'm going a little more. I'm going a little more off the board this month, I think, or not off the board, but, uh, I am going to go with an album. I put on the poll before, and I know you absolutely don't want to listen to it. And I would love to revisit it. Seven dust home. I uh, would love to uh, dig into that one and uh, a band we haven't covered in quite a while that I think would be fun. Uh, and we've had them up in the poll before and they've been very close to this album has been very close to winning, uh, but it is the namesake of this very podcast POD, the fundamental elements of South town. So oh. we'll see. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think that's a lot of good choices. there. So all albums that have been in polls before. So someone will get crowned and, and we'll finally get a chance to step into the winner's circle and be reviewed on the show. Uh, but yeah, there you have it. So we've got Soulfly, coal chamber, POD seven dust. That polls usually come out around the 20th or so of the month. So keep it locked on our Twitter. Again, you can follow us twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. You can support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash the POD cast. We thank you for listening. We thank you for everything contributing to the show and, We really appreciate it. And we'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.